0: Engine running. Lift off we have a liftoff.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Chris Lane show. Today we are you know talking about college football. It's back. it's it's not leaving for any anytime soon, right? Uh, we got NFL as well, but I kind of wanted to talk more so in depth about college football because I got a really good friend of mine on the show here. He is a student at the University of Colorado. Uh, he was actually a former teammate of mine at, at Isidor at Newman High School. Uh, he was kind of like your Taysom Hill guy. You know, you, you, if you needed him at quarterback, he'll throw it. If you need him to catch it, he'll catch it. If you need him to tackle, he'll probably light you up. And then also, if you need him to play goalie for the soccer team, not only will he do that, but he'll win you a state championship as well. Uh, my buddy Bell Adams, he is actually as well a senior marketing major and on the Colorado athletics as an intern. Bo, awesome to have you on, pal.
0: Hey Chris, thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm super excited to dive into college football and and to you know share any insight that I have and and just thank you so much for having me. It's been too long, man. I know it's
1: been a minute. And so before we kind of go into you know the thick of it for this episode, I wanted to kind of walk through, you know, the life of Bo, choosing Colorado. At a time where it was your freshman year, COVID hits. I think your coach at the time, it was post-Mel Tucker. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it was uh, Carl Burrell. So you had him beginning of freshman year, sophomore, junior year. Kind of walk me through what made you choose Colorado? You know, what made you choose to, you know, be a part of the athletics department as well?
0: Yeah, so... um well, everybody asked me here, you know, kid from New Orleans, why are you in Colorado? And my simplest answer is LSU didn't have mountains, which, I mean, I, I knew I kind of wanted to go somewhere skiing, where skiing was available. Um, and, you know, when I graduated, it was during the height of COVID. Um, I was lucky enough to have, you know, options of, of, you know, where I wanted to go. And, you know, my dad just was like hey you know it'd be great for you to go somewhere where there's tons to do outdoors especially during covid when we're kind of all locked up and you know i i got into colorado took a day to make the decision and never looked back and uh you know coming out here um you know the first semester i was here i did you know the rush process and uh, i'm in uh, teak here at colorado Um, and then one day You know, my dad had mentioned to me that uh, we had like a family friend who had a connection in the athletic department and uh, that I could look into that. And so I kind of brushed it off for a little bit. And then one day my dad called me and he was like, you got to either do this now or you're never going to do it at all. And so I talked to a few people, ended up, uh, I was blessed to get a, you know, a sit down with the athletic director. And I told him that I really, really wanted to be involved. And so uh, the first thing that I did while I was there, I was uh, on the recruiting team for the football team. And, uh, you know, I would scout film, I would, uh, you know, coaches would talk to us and say what they were looking for in a player, depending on the position, you know, Pac-12 is a lot faster. So they're looking for a lot more, you know, speedy offensive linemen per se than the SEC and the Big Ten. And so, you know, just getting my foot in the door doing that. um, it was a lot of work at first on top of school, but, uh, you know, I treated every project that I was given, like it was my last and kind of, you know, slowly, maturely built more trust and more responsibility. And then, uh, one day I had a conversation with the athletic director saying, you know, I really want to be sitting in your, in at your desk one day. Um, is there anything more that I can be doing, uh, you know, I I felt like I'd somewhat hit a ceiling in recruiting. And um, uh, then since then, I've been uh, under the chief of staff and helping him with projects as well as, you know, just always being available there in the office. If any associate athletic director, really anybody needs a helping hand, I'm there to help them. So I, I wouldn't really say specifically have one role, but I'd say like, I just help out wherever is needed, whether that be running the wine pull at the soccer ball auction, or if that's, you know, helping us uh, helping our athletic director kind of see where we are uh, with Nike deals, you know, who has a better deal. Do, do we have one that stacks up against the rest? It's been a really amazing experience and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I'm, I'm so happy with what I'm doing and I can't wait to continue on. Hopefully.
1: Yeah. That's so cool Val. And kind of give me, you know, You compare, contrast, you know, the Carl Durrell era to now you're going into one of the most well-known humans in the United States. Let's be real here in Coach Prime. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of walk me through what that transition was from junior year being like, okay, we got a coach who just got fired. We're one in 11. We barely have people in the stands to it let's i mean a total roster overhaul coach prime kind of walk me through what that was like for you what would that that was like for everybody included
0: well uh i'll start with this uh working and recruiting under carl durrell fantastic guy i can't say enough good things about him um you know it it just so happened that it, it wasn't the right fit i mean he was a great guy you know he knew me by name and like would ask me how my day is going every day which i thought that was so cool that like the head coach took the time to know just an intern's name Um, but you know the the staff and the talent that he had around him really wasn't the greatest a lot of it some of it was just you know left over from when mel tucker left because he was only there for a year um and so you know carl durrell started off COVID season I think you went four and two, had a really good year. I think we were ranked that at that time. Uh, but uh, as you can say, uh, like a lot of the other teams kind of took the year off. Let's just kind of be honest. Yeah. Um, and so then the next year really didn't have a great year. And then the following year, we went one and 11. And right before we went one and 11 was kind of when I had that conversation about me wanting to, you know, step up and and do some more and so my first project was making us a hot list everything from head coach down to the position coach who should our top 10 targets be and one day my uh supervisor was like hey uh you know you should throw on deon sanders I was <laughs> like, no no way because i mean my original thought was colorado i mean it's predominantly white i didn't think he was going to go from an hbcu to you know colorado and you know his words to me were hey if the price is right he might come over right and you know we we offered him a nice contract and then you know that was really when the prime effect started was just him coming into that locker room saying what he did to the team that you know we're gonna win now like we're not taking no for an answer and I mean since then like our athletic director we've had some conferences like as a staff where it's like you have to do your part for us to win. And that has just been such a cool transition from, like, you know, seeing people on staff being like, dude, I couldn't even fathom like watching that football game to, you know, everybody's going to all the soccer games, all the volleyball games. Like, it's just expanded so much past football. And I mean, CU, like, we won a national championship in 1990. We were at once like a predominant football school and you know obviously having some coaching turnovers and stuff and just just to see what he was able to do in six months I mean it's really just a a great case of believing in yourself and just knowing that anything's possible with the right mindset and I can't tell you what that's done like to me just as a person much less to the organization I mean I feel like I wake up with such a different mentality than I ever did before just Ready to attack the day, me against or you know Colorado against the world, um and I mean I can't say enough good things about Coach Prime. I mean he he's, you know some some people say as an ego, I, I would say that I I don't really think it's his ego. He's just more keeping receipts of when people doubted him and proving them wrong, right and it, it's just such a cool thing to see like the morale in this campus and everybody's just. You know, happy in a good spot, but at the same time, we're not content. Which, I mean, if we like, for example, after our one Cal win, everybody was ecstatic and kind of knew that that was going to be it. And here we are a year later, beating Nebraska thirty-six to fourteen, and the fans aren't satisfied. Right? I mean, that that's just you know speaks about Coach Prime and and not being satisfied with with what we have and. I truly think that he really he wants to push this year for us to win a Pac-12 championship. He wants to be in that college football playoff conversation. And so far, he hasn't given me any reason not to not to believe him.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And with the ego thing, I feel like there's a huge difference between confidence and cockiness. And it's definitely obvious that he's just oozing confidence. That's just a total ripple effect of the players of people on staff on people you know on the marketing team as well to really buy into this hey we're gonna i'm gonna bring my louis bag and we're gonna get my people in and we're gonna really turn this ship around fast i i'll be i'll be real with you here bell i so you know you'll get a coach into the first season like for example i remember when Lane Kiffin goes in for first year. He does a roster overhaul. He goes to the portal. They call him portal King. He gets a new team basically. And we go from, you know, really bad to we weren't really good. We ended up five and five in a COVID year. I've never seen a coach in a six month span take a team that was one and 11 with, you know, the coach. I mean, I couldn't imagine starting your coaching job at Colorado during COVID. I mean, you don't really stand a chance when it's, don't even know what's going on with the world. Right. And with him going in, you know, with coach prime, going in there, you know, bringing some of his players, such as Travis Hunter, you know, Shiloh, Shader, his two kids and going to TCU, a team that went to the national championship and just completely shocked the nation, the most viewed game. It, I think it beat the Alabama, Texas game by like 2 million views. Yes. So for me, I think what he's doing right now is something we've never seen. Um, and I just I, I'm, I'm here. I, it's hard to not root for the guy because, like you said, he keeps the receipts. He's not he's not going out there and just, you know, shooting a shot at people saying like, hey, we want you. We want you. We want you. He's like, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to kick your butt. And I have all the confidence in my guys to make it work. Um, and so for me, that's pretty cool. And, you know, for as a result of the Pac-12 leaving and Colorado going to the Big 12, kind of, is there, is there any changes with that from the conference realignment on your end that you've seen that, you know, is like, oh, this could be really good in the future. And then maybe some things like, oh, I kind of wish we were still the Pac-12. Kind of walk me through that whole process on how that went down.
0: Well, it's, it's tough that the Pac-12's like best start ever is going to happen literally their last year. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's um, unbelievable.
0: Yeah, like of course, it, that's, uh, I don't know. It, it's crazy that that would happen literally the year that it's going to dissipate. But right. talking about us uh, going into the big 12, I mean, I know uh, we wanted security and Pac-12 really did not have security um as in, i'm talking about like tv media deals and, and rights and stuff like that um right. Big 12 was a lot more forward thinking and with us getting coach prime it was definitely a better conference that we could grow in and um you know if we're in the big 12 we're going to be one of the big guys sitting at the table versus the big 10 where we'd probably just be another you know team in the puzzle And so uh, I think it was a combination of that as well as um, our athletic director really wanted to do what's best for our student athletes. And being in the Pac-12, you know, a lot of times we get stuck with those later timed games where not as many people are watching. And so, you know, having West Virginia and UCF in the conference, as well as I think most of the other ones are in the central time zone, we're going to have more, you know, primetime games that are gonna expose our student athletes in a way better light than if they're playing at 10 PM Eastern time. Um, And so, you know, going along like the, so the big 12 also, I guess like stuff that's different about it than the PAC 12. um, I was actually talking with uh, one of my sister's uh, classmates, Claire Morrow, if any of y'all know her, um, she went to university of Pennsylvania and then transferred graduate year to uh ut austin and uh i had this project i was trying to figure out you know or what's really different about the big 12 than the Pac 12 you know and she she ran track there so i was asking her you know is the scoring different is there you know something different about the way you win a conference you know championship and for the most part it's uh the same but at the same time they're bringing in you know four to what eight new teams so everything's going to be new regardless of if it was different from the Pac-12 before just because all the mass Exodus from the Pac-12 I mean the Big Ten is going to have to restructure the SEC is kind of ahead of the game because they've been planning on Texas and Oklahoma entering so for years they've been having this discussion whereas these other conferences like the Big Ten the ACC right now they're trying to add you know SMU potentially Cal stanford some of those teams i'd say that it's really going to be new the whole nine yards you know they they have to totally restructure how you know conference is played for example like sec being east versus west are they going to continue that or are they going to try to adopt you know like a nfc afc structure where it's like four teams four teams all around yeah. uh so i mean I, I don't really know what to expect but i do know that there will be Change and the best thing for us to do is just to try to stay ahead as much as we can. I mean, like our athletic director put it best, he was like, We feel that we were just a little behind the game on the future that happened right now. Saying, like, five years ago, we were a little behind, how can we be ahead of the game in five years when there's you know, whatever else happens? NIL was brand new, we were a little bit. I mean, we we had thought about it for sure, but other schools had been preparing for that for almost 10 years. Right. And so, you know, just trying to stay as ahead of the game as we possibly can, and just knowing that nothing's for certain anymore. I mean, it feels like tradition is almost out the window. Right. You know, like USC gonna play, you know, Ohio State and Michigan and all that. Like it it just feels a little uneasy at the moment, but at the same time, I mean, how can you not be excited for the future right now with the amount of hype that's just around college football? So, I'm looking forward to it. I'm trying to stay up to date, but I, I'll tell you what, it is constantly reading as many articles and stuff as you can because it's it's ever changing.
1: Right, right. And the one thing that I was also thinking about is, I feel like with schools going to a different conference, for example, USC UCLA going to the Big Ten, I feel like the recruiting is going to change as well. You, I, I really think that they're going to be able to go out east and say, hey, we're in the Big Ten too. You can come out here, live where all the nice weather is. You got the beach, you got Hollywood, you can come to USC. I feel like their sales pitch, uh, if that's the right word to use, can be used countrywide instead of just the West Coast. And you know, with Colorado going to the Big Ten, or excuse me, Big 12, I feel like... Colorado can recruit Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, you know, Oklahoma, those areas more so than they would have before. I feel it, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the recruiting trail was kind of westward rather than down south. Um, What, what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I a hundred percent agree. Um, A big conversation that we were having when deciding going to the big 12 was, are we going to lose all the, you know, the footprint that we had in California for so long because all those guys were in our conference. So we could consistently try to recruit out of California. Um, so to be honest, our our recruiting scheme, at least when I was working there a couple of years ago, was uh, we knew that we almost couldn't keep the best Colorado players in Colorado because they were going to go to, you know, USC, UCLA, whatever. Um, and, you know, now with us moving to the Big 12, you know, we were always in California and Texas, but now that we have four, I think, four other teams in the state of Texas, now we can heavily recruit there, as well as UCF being in our conference. We can recruit in Florida now. You yeah, know, Coach Prime obviously went to FSU. Um, our director of player personnel went to St. Thomas Aquinas. That That's like a, you know, a big deal for us to be able to get right. some of the from uh STA. Um, yeah,
1: they, they but, I mean Michael Urban, the Bosa brothers. Um exactly. I, mean, I, I can go I can go on and on. Uh so, so that's perennial like, power.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's a huge deal for us to start being able to recruit in Florida since UCF is there. And I mean with West Virginia right there, that means that we can, you know, have hands out there in that area of the country too. Because for the longest time it was like, you know, we're Colorado. And obviously, we're not doing well. We have a kid in Pennsylvania that we're interested in. But if we offer them, Penn State's going to see that and immediately offer the kid. And the kid's going to rather probably go to Penn State because they're a little better and closer to home. Right. But now that we have, you know, Coach Prime and also, you know, the stuff that he's saying in the media, like he, a lot of times, coaches in their recruiting conversations are telling these parents, you know, I'm going to be a father figure for your kid. And I can't imagine a better father figure guy to recruit my kid than Coach Prime, just because a lot of the message that he's sending is to, you know, be ready about life, much less like a football game and how to handle, you know, fame and when everybody's in your face and like it. it, It's just you know, pairing with us going to the Big Twelve and getting Coach Prime, our recruiting has completely changed for the better. And you know, like what we were saying earlier, we can go to anywhere in the country, like USC, and be able to say, you know, you're going to have 10 million eyes on you playing this game versus, you know, Alabama's, Alabama's whole recruiting tactic is we're going to give you the tools to go to the NFL. And, you know, Dion's been there. He's, he's played both ways too. So all these crazy good five-star athletes that could potentially play both ways, but they might only, they might have to sit out a year or something at Alabama and continue to develop. They can develop under somebody who's, who knows the way goes the way and now can show the way.
1: Right. And it's, yeah, like you were saying as well, it's not only the X's and O's because obviously he knows that it's yeah. Being that father figure it's handling because handling fame, I feel like is almost 80% of just your mental health, just, you know, getting poured on all the you, so many people count on you so many people are talking about you if you're trying to keep that public image clean um and yeah i'm with you there i i think dion really has you know no pun intended he, he's primed to be that guy to teach these young athletes like hey you can be a rock star and you could be a good gentleman as well and oh, i yeah. and, and that that honestly sold me personally just you know. Because you I feel like you just don't hear that nearly as often as you should. Maybe I'm wrong, but um for it, but for him to actually say it out loud and be like, this is this is my vision. I think that's really important to a lot of families. And so I thought that was pretty neat. Um, but I wanted to also talk about though, I remember uh Dion in an interview saying talking about you know NIL, you know, I am you know, fully in support of getting these players paid, what they deserve. I mean, I've been saying that well before since this has been a thing. But he also said, I think it's the collectives that have really kind of, you know, been not a good thing for college football. Um, kind of talk to me through your thoughts on that, you know, what Colorado's vision is when it comes to the collectives.
0: Yeah, so – um obviously nil name image and likeness um i feel like nil has has kind of you know they they've slapped this name on it right that it's name image and likeness but like 99 percent of the time it translates to if you're really good or not and so nil collectives they can't really um they can't be a part of the university but the university has a lot of influence over you know, what they do. But all, all of this, you know, has to comply with NCAA rules. And, you know, they have a lot of NCAA, uh, they they have people in every single office, uh, as officers making sure, you know, people are doing what they're supposed to and not, you know, something like Tennessee would do a few years ago with the McDonald's paper bags. But <laughs> NIL collectives are basically, the school has this entity that isn't a part of the school, and they you know raise money and you know it's up to the player whether or not they kind of want to be a part of the collective but you know the collect they they have to do stuff to be given money and that can be you know attending like a business fair uh like which colorado the university could host like on their campus but like they can't run it like it has to be run by the collective but basically it's like a way that they can create a fund that everybody on the team can get a piece of the pie if that makes sense and so you know with uh for example like University of Tennessee like we were talking about earlier they obviously used to do some shady stuff but now like they've had all this stuff kind of planned for years thinking that this was going to be turned to an nil landscape versus you know what it was before and so like. Tennessee I mean their collective I think already has like 30 million dollars yeah. at least it had 25 million about a year ago when I was more looking into it and so like for a player you know some they they'll go into some of these recruiting meetings and be like you know the coach is trying to explain to them the scheme and then they're like hey well I hate to stop you but a and is going to give me 85k how much are y'all going to give me and so that's that's kind of the con with this whole change is that you know a lot of players this is like their way out of the current situation they're in and you know that isn't really what the recruiting should be about and sadly some of it has turned into that but at the same time you have to respect that that is you know their opportunity and right. so you know depending on how big a nil collective is at a university that could you know, change whether or not they want to go there. And so Colorado's vision, at least, uh, you know, so I was working on our collective a few months ago, just checking out all of the other ones and seeing, you know, what did they do really good? What could we work on? And uh, one of the big things was, so the University of Georgia's collective, they have like this beautiful shop, right? You know, like some collectives just have a bunch of screen print t-shirts you can buy and, you know, the kid gets, and they sell the shirt for $60. But what Georgia did really well is, you know, they obviously recognize that they need money from these big time donors. But like, what do a lot of donors do? For example, they golf, they have a ton of, you know, like nice Peter Millar shirts and, you know, cool head covers and stuff with the collective on. And like, that was like one of our biggest takeaways was, you know, we have to see what the donors want. And, for example, like our donors being from Boulder, a lot of them, you know, care about green, uh, you know, like anti maybe not anti-fossil fuel, but, you know, like caring about sustainability and stuff of that nature. So uh, my word, my words to us were, you know, maybe let's look into getting Patagonia to do, uh, you know, our shirts and for example, but like, you know, just checking out what the other collectives were doing well, how we could improve. And I mean, you know the other day I saw that we opened up the Colorado NIL store and that was really cool for me to be like yeah I'd a I would a part in that like yeah and that's awesome so so we're we're still trying to um you know to ramp up all the engagement into the NIL uh collective I mean it, it's kind of a uphill battle I'd say since we I guess started on the wrong foot with you know how the last couple seasons have changed but I mean since then i think we set a record this year i think it was we raised 28 million dollars and our previous record was like 18 million and wow so I mean, we just gotta we gotta strike while the iron's hot and Absolutely. the way the team is playing right now we got to do everything that we can to you know make our brand up there with texas and alabama and we just got to keep building on that momentum and you know the nil collective is going to fall in place at some point it's just you know we're we're building we got the momentum we're going there but you know there's still a little bit of work that can be done but I'd say we're in the right direction
1: That's awesome man you being a part of that whole marketing campaign to try and find ways to get the donors involved with you know donating money and kind of finding like the Georgia example that you were just saying what a unique way to just really get the whole fan base involved because when you think of donors, You think of like the billionaires, the millionaires that are just throwing money at a school. But when you do these collectives, it's everyone, regardless of how rich or how poor you are, that's spilling in money by buying, you know, a driver's sock or buying a T-shirt that says Shadur Sanders. I think that stuff for that. Let me let me let me rephrase this for. The nil collectives of players profiting off their name, image, and likeness is where I'm like, hell yeah. But I think what needs to really happen for college football and what's scaring me as a college football fan is trying to keep the collectives out of recruiting. I think that that's just my personal opinion. I don't think it's fair for a school to be like, hey, you're getting this amount of money if you come here, because not every school can do that, right? So I think it should be the pitch should say, hey, come to Colorado. When it comes to NIL, we have this collective. We'll put a picture of your face or, you know, for example, with, you know, I had an idea for Auburn. That'd be pretty cool. Um, The CEO of Apple went to Auburn, How about having a commercial of Robbie Ashford working on AirPods like that's that's how NIL should be used, not, hey, you know, I know school X offered you 100 grand. We're going to offer you 150 grand. How about that? Come to our school. I think that kind of you're you're manipulating, you know, 17, 18 year old guys into only seeing a dollar sign and not seeing a vision for the rest of their life. And I think that's where it's kind of skewed um do you agree
0: I do agree um I mean you know they aren't really allowed to talk about like the money too but right. it's like also when a kid you know asks that it's just like you know they can't they can't like say anything right it's like you know maybe somebody else can either way they're they're learning about the information right. whether or not they're like allowed to be told it or not and uh I mean what you were saying again about like you know choosing a school based off of an nil collective i think you also gotta understand like the trend is switching from choosing a school in their nil collective to following a coach yeah. for example you know shader sanders the sanders kids travis hunter i mean they're gonna be making their nil money based on their exposure and they were even exposed to Jackson state as small of a school as it is. And so for them to, you know, come to the power five and have even more exposure, they were, you know, used to it on a smaller scale. Of course it got a lot bigger, but yeah, I think, you know, it's one of those just unintended consequences. You know, if you make a decision, there's going to be a trade-off, there's going to be a con about it. And this is just kind of what happened from it and you know for the better or the worse. I mean we'll see we're kind of already seeing how it's planning out but at the same time this rule was kind of just thrown in there with a lot of gray areas um you know big schools are going to have a lot of resources and a lot of people you know trying to find those loopholes and and to do what they can to get the players and so I mean the NIL collective you know ties into the recruiting somewhat even though it shouldn't But at the same time, I feel like the trend is going towards, you know, like, let's say I take a visit uh, to Notre Dame and I loved Brian Kelly when he's there and then he's going to LSU. I mean, you know, if you're good enough, probably try to follow that coach who recruited you. But at the same time, you know, giving these kids the opportunity, you know, they don't have to sit out that year if they transfer. They can make money finally through NIL. They've been given so many, you know, options that I feel like it's okay for, you know, a coach, you know, I'm obviously talking all about Dion, but for him to come in and to be like, hey, I'm bringing in my guys, we're going to help you, you know, try to find somewhere else to go. Uh, But I mean, you know, NIL obviously comes in a part of that, but you can make, you know, if you're Arch Manning, it doesn't matter where you go, like you're going to find that NIL money. Right. And so a lot of times NIL really only benefits the the top, top 1% of the sport. And so, you know, it, it's just at the end of the day, it's an unintended consequence that, you know, it right. becomes a part of recruiting, but that's the ball game. You got to, you got to adjust, you got to live on the fly. And right. the people who are, you know, more able to adjust quicker, they'll, they'll reap the benefits.
1: Absolutely. And then you can't really, you know, have a, fixed to this because of the transfer portal as well. Cause it's like you're not going to tell a player, oh, I'll give you this money, but you have to stay at the school for two, three years and then you can hit the portal if you're not playing. Then you have to go contracts, you got to get lawyers involved. Like it it could be even more so of just a you know fire that can't be put out than it already is right now. And for me, I just think, you know, I don't even, the way I see it, it's just like, I don't even know where to begin on how to even solve it. Um, Just because it's so right now it's kind of like the gold rush, you know, you're just kind of just finding, you know, whatever's out there, most money here, there, if you're a top 1% guy. And then I couldn't imagine as well from a locker room standpoint, imagine being like a wide receiver four or five, who might get 20 bucks, right? Might get a hundred bucks and having a teammate who has a couple hundred thousand dollars, like how is that going to make a healthy ro- locker room at all? I mean, you, Beau, you and I both know if I got over a hundred thousand dollars at age of 17, I am going crazy. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's life for a 17 year old. That's like changing money. And so okay. there's just, it's just so many different scenarios that run through my head with all this new stuff in college football. But like you said, you just got to adjust. Um, and so uh, I'm I'm going to kind of, you know, go into, you know, Colorado for you this year, the over under three and a half wins. They only need to win two more. Um, I know Colorado States this weekend, which I think y'all are going to win. But hey, then you have at Oregon and home against USC, two good teams, um, I mean, I know Odson Stadium up in Eugene is gonna go berserk when you guys roll in there. Um, kind of just walk me through what you think this season's gonna be like. Um, you know, kind of the future of Colorado with hiring Coach Prime, with, you know, like we were gonna talk about ticket sales going up, TV deals, media views, all that stuff. Kind of talk, give me, give me your prediction for Colorado this year and like the three to five year plan. All
0: right. Well, so uh this year i mean before the people the, before the season when people were asking me like realistically like what are my expectations um i i always thought we were going to get over three and a half wins i mean i i thought it was realistic for vegas to put those odds because you know maybe like our only wins are or the only kind of solid wins would be like you know colorado state uh you know stanford or cal like like those you know depending on because obviously no one was going to foresee you know these first couple games and and expect what prime had in in his vision but uh you know i think that like realistically this season there's no reason that we couldn't be in the pac-12 championship with the way things are going currently i mean
1: so much momentum
0: momentum i mean like Coach Prime isn't going to let these guys get content with where they are right now. I mean, if we're almost angry at a 36-14 to 14 victory over our arch-rival Nebraska, I mean, I think we're going to probably beat the Bricks out of Colorado State because they're also starting their second-string quarterback this week, coming off of a bye week. Wow. Um, then also, I mean, you know, going to Oregon, thats that's a tough team. But at the same time, I mean, it's I can't tell you enough about this mentality that Coach Prime has instilled in his players, that it's us against the world. I feel like they're going up against Oregon, USC, with the same mentality they're going up against Colorado State, it'd be the same mentality if they're going up against Alabama or Georgia. Just everyone's going to count us out, but we have to believe in ourselves. And so, I mean, going off of that into more of like the ticket sales and the media views, I mean that TCU game was unreal. We, yeah. as soon as we won that game, I think the next day, or it could have been since then, but it, it felt like a couple of days after, we had I think four hundred thirty thousand dollars in in ticket sales just after that upset. I mean, I think we're probably gonna announce five to six games. I mean, potentially the whole every home game is gonna be sold out, which wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean. I think that he has these guys primed and ready. He has this this fan base, you know, just so focused on the team. And, like, it, it, it's just unreal what he's doing. And so, I mean, you know, with the Colorado State game, like, usually for our poorer teams in the past couple of years, that would be one of our only wins. And for us to have already sold that game out and we're going to have a uh, college game day, big noon. We're going to have first take is going to do a live uh, production from Colorado. I mean, like everybody, it, it, we have all eyes on us. Right. And Coach Prime always envisioned that we were going to win, even with the media views. And he's just, you know, making everybody so focused that it doesn't matter what anybody's saying about us. If we believe in ourselves, you know, we can go on and do great things and his vision is to win a na- national championship while at colorado i mean i pray to god he, he stays with it go, you know covers the whole contract and doesn't get bought out by another team i mean that's kind of out of my control but right i mean right now it, it you know he set such a good foundation for us that you know i pray he doesn't leave but if somebody else comes in like. We have leverage now, like with all this media attention. I mean, of course, some of the guys are going to obviously just go and follow Prime and and the eyes will as well. But, you know, we have the world watching us. And I think that he plays his best and calls the best game on the biggest stage. And so the harder the team, the more focused, the more prepared we're going to be. And I am looking forward to watching this USC game. I mean, Shadur and Travis also in the Heisman conversation against Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman, right? Like what, what more could you ask? And for us to be hosting that, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we doubled our media views from the past two games. I mean, that, that might be the biggest game. One of the biggest games this season.
1: Right. Yeah, man. I mean, that one, but, but, I mean, they might as well do college game day for that one too. I'm yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that they did it for uh, this one just because it was a lesser opponent. I thought it was going to be um, a USC game, but after these two wins, I mean, look, Bill, I'd be lying to you if I thought that Colorado was going to be in this situation. I had Colorado winning three, four games this year just because I was like, just like any other program, you know, year one is kind of just the roster overhaul, kind of just, I mean, it's football. You can't, you got to figure it out from an X's and O's and just chemistry altogether. Um, and for them to be in this situation at 2 0, I mean, it's just, it's been a whirlwind for me, myself, and I have nothing to do with Colorado. Just being a bystander watching it in, it, it is really just a once in a lifetime thing to see, you know, just you, you can feel the energy throughout the whole country about Colorado, which is really neat. Um, and don't be surprised as well, though, on College Game Day for Deion Sanders to be the guest picker as well. I would not because I remember one year uh, or I think it was two years ago, Ole Miss, LSU, they were playing against each other. And we had Lane Kiffin on to do guest picking. Um, and, and I was like, when I saw them do Colorado state, I'm like, they're going to put Dion up there. I don't see why not. Or put Travis and Shadur up there for them to, you know, talk as well. Um, I mean, it, it's just, you know, with them, they've really rised up on social media. I saw, uh, on the news the other day of Shadur flexing his watch at the Nebraska guy before. (laughs) That was pretty cool. I will say that was pretty cool. It, you know, it's just this oozing of confidence. That's really neat. And, you know, it's been a surprise for me. I'm not going to lie. And I guess that would be kind of a good transition to talk about other surprising teams as well. Uh, But for me, I thought Texas was going to be good. Not, I mean, I did predict um, two episodes ago for Texas to beat Alabama. I said they'd win. I think I said they win by two touchdowns. They still won by double digits. I was like, I knew it would happen, but I didn't think that Texas was actually going to do it. Um, I kind of just, Said it just being like you know, more so of like a, a hatred for <laughs> Alabama than for a, a love for Texas. But for them to you know establish a defense that can stop an sec offense, I thought that was huge for Texas. And then you know, as well, you know, Colorado, I thought the line wasn't going to be ready to go, I thought the defense was going to be kind of sketchy. But I mean, it, both teams, Colorado and Texas, have everything together, and it's like as if. They were playing together for three to five years. Um, Who are your other surprising teams as well as, I mean, I know you're not surprised about Colorado because you're in the thick of it, but give me another team that uh, surprised you.
0: Let's see. Um, I mean, like, you know, we knew USC was going to be good. I'll I'll piggyback on you with Texas. I mean, the way they played that Bama game last year kind of let us all know, like they could keep up with them and then the cleaners got hurt and they were still, you know, played a close game. So, I mean, I, I was with you on, I mean, growing up an LSU fan, obviously disliking PAMA a lot <laughs> for Texas. Um, but let's see. I mean, another surprising team. I mean, Washington State has been playing great. They're uh, 2-0. They're creeping up. I mean, the Pac-12 in general has really surprised me. I, I think this was the first time we've ever had, I think it was eight teams in the top 25. Yeah. And I mean, you you got guys going like the Joel Klatt show, like t- talking about how their rival, I guess, uh, they're competing, you know, with like the SEC, like mm-hmm. Cal being able to uh, hang with Auburn for that game. Yeah, I mean, I did not really see that coming as well, and I think it kind of goes to show you that, like, you know, obviously recruiting matters a bunch, and you need to have talented players, but if you can get that scheme and get people to buy into it, you got to capitalize on your strengths and minimize your weaknesses. And so, I mean, like for Colorado, for example, we knew we had the star-studded talent on the outside, but we didn't, we had a bunch of questions about our offensive and defensive line. And, you know, also, for example, we're air raid offense. We have like, you know, top 10 offense in the country, but I think we're top bottom five in rushing. So I mean like it you really got to play to your strengths and your weaknesses. I mean I I would I would be lying if I said I watched that whole Cal Auburn game. I really just watched it through the first half and then didn't really see the second half, but I was very surprised that they were able to hang with, you know, the level of talent that Auburn and some of these SEC programs have and, you know, going forward I'm definitely going to be watching more of these uh, Pac-12 versus SEC matchups. I mean, Pac-12 versus Big Ten, because that, that'll give you a little foreshadowing to see whether or not, you know, Oregon and USC and some of these other teams can hang out in the Big Ten and really compete. Because, I mean, everybody's getting really good recruits if you're in the Big Ten and the SEC. I mean, maybe some of the bottom tier teams aren't getting as much. But, I mean, you you just got to, You know it's it's weird how much this landscape is changing and like forever my dad you know I think he watched that LSU versus Oregon game years and years and years ago and he watched uh I want to say Marcus Spears catch he was a defensive lineman catch Oregon's running back from behind and it was just like wow like the SEC's talent like it doesn't matter if they run point two you know less in a 40-yard dash like they can you know they're they're 20 pounds bigger they can tackle those guys and i feel like now it's just becoming a lot more of a level playing field all around so you're going to see more surprises than you did before like it isn't going to be alabama winning the national championship every year it isn't going to be clemson in that conversation every year it's going to be a lot more variety with the way that you know the college football playoff changing the 12 teams versus four teams I mean, it's, it's going to be more of like a March Madness effect. And, you know, you're going to have your Cinderella stories and root for them in the playoffs. And so I'm, I'm excited to see. I don't know exactly who that surprising team is going to be in a couple of years. You know, hopefully Colorado isn't even surprising anymore. We're just right. a good team. So, I mean, uh, we'll we'll see. I'm yeah. looking forward
1: to it. Absolutely. And also uh, Arizona and Mississippi State went to overtime. Um, yes, Mississippi yes. State squealed on out, but I mean that was a great game as well. And now, like you were saying, you're really seeing, you know, Pac-12 this year kind of eat away closer and closer to SEC, you know, kingdom, because obviously we all know SEC was you know king of the world when it comes to college football. Um, and I also love within the Pac 12 that you have Washington with Michael Penix Jr. and those two absolute stud receivers. I mean, the quarterback play in the Pac-12 right now, I mean, you're not even thinking about Jaden Rashada at Arizona State, but that guy is going to be a menace to society in a couple of years. He was supposed to go to Florida, and then they, you know, he promised all this money, the money didn't go through, so now he's at Arizona State. And then, you know, also, obviously, Caleb Williams, Bonex, you know, Shadur. I mean, Washington State just beat Wisconsin, wasn't it at Wisconsin as well? I'm pretty sure it was. But anyway, still, they beat them. I mean, that's still crazy to me. I mean, with Luke Fickle being the Wisconsin coach. So you're really seeing this unwinding of college football with, you know, old teams kind of, you know, that were good, kind of being mediocre and kind of the mediocre teams kind of catching up. And um, we're seeing it right before our eyes. So that's really cool to see. I think the win of the first few weeks is the Pac 12. They kind of went in. I think they won all their non-conference games the first two weeks. I think all, I think they were – or they started off like 19-0, and 0, Pac-12, uh, just 19 wins in a row. So them going in being like, hey, we're going – one of us is going to the college football playoff, whether you like it or not. I think that's the statement that they said to the world uh, since this past Monday.
0: Um, I, I and, agree with you. I, yeah. I mean, USC and Utah – you know i've kind of always been the talk of the conference and you know usually it would be you know the big 12 maybe one or two sec teams one or two big 10 teams and then you know like clemson or somebody jumping in for like those four spots and i mean the pac-12 was kind of always the ugly brother left out and yeah. see us you know showing this kind of dominance early i mean like like i said before it sucks that it's our last year but i really think it's going to be tight Coming down yeah. to, the, I mean, you know, I could definitely see like a one-loss Pac-12 team, you know, making it to the college football playoff this year versus, you know, last year talking about like a two-loss or, you know, L- LSU team potentially sneaking their way in right. with other teams losing. I feel like it's really going to be a nail-biter this year, which yeah. I'm excited for. I mean, somebody's going to be left out. It's going to break their heart, but I mean, you know, it's going to be an exciting playoff this year and then this last year it's four teams and then we'll see a a totally new landscape in a year
1: yeah and uh don't be surprised that utah colorado game week 13 winner going to the conference championship or you know something of that nature i mean that that could most easily happen so that i mean just watching pac-12 football you know i grew up you know loving oregon and stanford and usc and it's just really cool to see them kind of coming back to what I grew up was pretty normal having, you know, those teams being relevant. Um, But I guess going into it, the teams that have kind of like started sucking this year, I hate to say it, but Stanford was kind of one of them this year. You know, you're playing USC. I know they're so much better, but my God, at least make it a competition. I mean, what a USC was up like 56 to almost zero at halftime. I felt like it just wasn't even a competition. And then, as well, I thought, you know, and it's kind of the difference between Matt Rule and Coach Prime is Coach Prime literally did a roster overhaul, but is being successful. On the contrary, Matt Rule kind of, you know, not looking so good. But it's still rebuild year, so it's not like he's in the hot seat at all. Um, those were those were my two. Who, who who are some teams as well that you're like? And this team's not really that good this year
0: well uh I'll, I'll talk about UMass in one second but piggybacking on uh Matt rule in Nebraska I mean you know the last time there was really a big change in a program was when Matt rule resurrected Baylor from mm-hmm. you know, the whole stigma with the Art Bryles era and I I was you know pretty nervous going into the game just thinking you know, he was able to, I think, you know, start 2-0 or something at Baylor the first year he was in after they, they were bad, you know, the years before. And so, I mean, I, I agree with you. He isn't on the hot seat. It's his first year. I think they'll give him some time. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely don't think they're going to wait as long as they did with Scott Frost if something like that, you know, ends up happening. Right. But um, I will say, like, the other team that I – you know wasn't really surprised that was has been pretty bad this year's uh UMass University of Massachusetts um I mean at the beginning of the year they were making all these comparisons about Colorado with UMass and they just had no talent from the start and I mean for them to compare us to them with the level of talent we brought in really rubbed us all the wrong way Right. And like that was one of the receipts we were talking about earlier with <laughs> Coach Prime was you know them comparing us to to UMass and so we'll we'll see if they can you know figure something out I mean but with with the talent they currently have on the roster it it isn't looking like a bright future in Massachusetts
1: right and they've been bad for quite some time now I'm pretty sure they won maybe one game I don't even think they won a game last year as well. Um, And another team that I wanted to bring up that I thought they were going to be okay, but, you know, they start off wrong was Florida. I thought Graham Mertz transferring from Wisconsin to Florida would kind of give them, you know, give Graham Mertz kind of like a chip on his shoulder, like, hey, you know, I know it wasn't that good at Wisconsin, but this is new. This is, you know, kind of a new era of me. And then Florida kind of, you know, taking him in being like, all right, this is our guy. I mean, they rolled into Utah, and it – I mean, the guy looked like a deer in headlights. Granted, I'm going to give Utah their flowers. Their defense was phenomenal. I love their coach. I think Utah has the physicality to play anybody in the country. Um, But, man, Florida – I feel like Florida just – they basically have walk that week and basically next week. And people are saying, oh, Florida's at home against Tennessee. They might, you know, play small ball, try and, you know, squeak out a win. I think that's BS. I think Tennessee is going to absolutely crush them. I just don't see a way where they can score points on a on a defense. You know, Tennessee has gotten a lot better on defense. Yeah, they've gotten a little bit worse on quarterback. Their defense has gotten a lot better, and I don't think this Florida offense is you know much to worry about for those guys. So that was another one of mine as well. Um, And it's just yeah, I was just like, what the what the hell, Florida? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I kind of wanted to also talk about, you know, what 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 do you think what's to come throughout as well as well as the Pac-12 going into you know the college football playoff, you know, with the Big 10, with the SEC, with the Big 12. Who do you think out of the teams in the country as well as the Pac-12 are going to be in the mix for New Year's Six Bowls, college football playoffs? Walk me through your thoughts on that
0: um i mean obviously georgia they're just they're just great i mean you know what they have a new quarterback this year um i mean they're they got so many tools and weapons around them that they can get away with a game manager they don't need somebody to go literally above and beyond they just gotta you know take care of the blocking and tackling keep calm and carry on stay focused um texas i mean i i feel like they could Definitely be in the college football playoff. They have the talent, they have the coaching. But I mean, year and year again, we say they're back. And prove <laughs> us wrong. So I, I'm a hold off on Texas. I, I need to see a few more games out of them. I mean, they they got it going. They just gotta execute and finish. And that I feel like that's the same story every year. But one of these years, everybody's gonna count them out and they're gonna be back. And you know, that could very well be this year. Right. Um and know, I mean, you know, I could see them winning the big 12, uh, conference this year, and then going into the sec the next year. And, you know, we'll see with them, they showed they could beat Bama. I bet they can hang with all these other teams. That'll be right. a story to, uh, definitely follow going into next year. Yeah. Um, Ohio state and Michigan, they feel like my two clear, I feel like that's, what's going to end up being the big 10 conference championship. And, you know, I bet the winner gets to go to the college football playoff. Um, and then, I mean, you know, as we just talked about before, I mean, USC, Utah, CU, Washington. I I mean, maybe they make it into the college football playoff. I think they definitely end up making it to New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah. I mean, I think Utah has been to the Rose Bowl a bunch of times. And I mean, they, they've been good probably since the year 2000. I think they they beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl like back in maybe you know 2005 to 10 something like that right but I mean they've they've been good for years um I you know I I think that'll it be UGA I can see Texas making it probably winner of Ohio State Michigan I mean definitely the winner of the Big Ten and then I think it's going to be a Pac-12 team that that ends up completing that unless you know something at the end of the year happens I mean I don't know if I uh, touched on this before. I don't think I did, but the Pac-12 for years has been really horrible about how they schedule games because, I mean, you got like USC potentially playing University of Washington and Utah back-to-back weeks on the road. Like the SEC would never let that happen. They'd have, you know, I think LSU has like a game against Army just like in the middle of the schedule just, you know, so they can kind of take a breather and, and rest up. And I mean, obviously they'll, they'll try to, they probably will still win that game but they can kind of take a step back right um, and so I, that's also what I'm excited about is us going to the big 12 is that we'll be able to schedule games a little like a lot better than the Pac-12 is scheduled for us but that that's why I think that that last team could possibly not be the Pac-12 because we could end up beating ourselves up like yeah. we did year year after year right
1: yeah you know when you have one team that loses to you know another team but then beats another team and then that team beats the you know the other team it's kind of like a triangle of everyone beating each other Um, that it's kind of like that's exactly what happened in 2007 when uh lsu won the national championship as a two loss non-conference champion because they beat alabama alabama beat arkansas and arkansas beat lsu and so it was like, it kind of reminds me of that at that time. So that was pretty cool to see. And um, and then another team that I think could really play in is uh, Florida State. I mean, making a statement win against LSU. I mean, they beat the brakes out of them. And then not only that, um, I think you could really – I think the SEC is just going to be one team. I think if, you know, I think Michigan could be that one team as well from Big Ten if they beat everybody – But if Ohio State beats Michigan, but Ohio State, let's say, loses in the conference championship, then you could have, you know, multiple teams from one conference go in. I think you're going to see this year one team from I think it's going to be an ACC school, an SEC school, a Pac-12 school. And it's going to literally be the conference champion of Big 12, which could be Texas, but they're on the road uh, at Baylor. I think they're on the road at tco as well that's not an easy opponent like they're out to get you and then you could also have a potential you know if 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 literally someone between texas and michigan slips up once i think they're going to be that fifth place spot and it's going to really rev the engines to be like we need a 12-team playoff next year pronto so i think that's this year is going to really piss off a lot of people into then creating excitement that it's going to be a 12 team playoff this year. That's the way I see it. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's we're here. Dude. It's college football, man. I mean, it's so exciting. Um, I can't get over it. It's so cool. Um, but yeah, Bill, yeah. I, I, I literally can't thank you enough for coming on, man. Uh, you, you killed it. We killed it. And, um, you're always invited back on to talk more Colorado. Looking forward to the continued success for them and, and for your success at, um, you know, being in the part of the athletic department. It's pretty cool, man.
0: Hey, well, Chris, I cannot thank you enough for having me on here. It's such a blast catching up and talking with you, just spitting ball. It, yeah. it feels like good old times when, <laughs> you know, hanging out in that Newman football locker room. But thank you again so much for having me on. I, I had a great time, and, you know, I can't wait to be back if you have me back. Yeah, dude.
1: Hey, you text me, and it, and it's on. You have, you have a good one, my hey,
0: pal. Thank you, Chris. Take it easy, man. All right.
1: Take care.